0: Hi, this is Dr. Christopher Perrin with another episode of The Christopher Perrin Show. You can view these shows at truenorth.fm. I want to continue a discussion of prudence, one of the four cardinal virtues in this episode. In a previous episode, I described prudence positively as a, as, as a, as a good virtue, the governing virtue of really all virtues, because it's that virtue that helps us to understand what is real And it's only by understanding what is real in the cosmos that we can know what to do in the cosmos, that we can realize the good in our actions. And so prudence, as the first of the cardinal virtues, has a kind of directing or governing function over the following three cardinal virtues, justice, temperance, and courage, or fortitude. In other words, prudence informs those virtues, it gives them form and thought so that it can they can properly realize the good justly, temperately, and bravely in the world as it's been given to us. So prudence, according to Josef Pieper in his book, The Four Cardinal Virtues, and he's riffing off of Thomas Aquinas, who himself is summarizing a tradition that's you know 1,500 or 2,000 years older than he is, prudence is an important virtue, one that we should know well and one that will help us to understand the other cardinal virtues. The four cardinal virtues were kind of source virtues, keystone virtues that if you had those four or aimed at those four, they would lead or give birth to many, many other virtues. So it's good to shoot for them because if you can become prudent, so many other great benefits will come to you in your moral life. So prudence, is a very good thing. Uh, Prudencia is a derivation of providencia, providencia or providence. In other words, the ability to have foresight, the ability to see what's coming, the ability to almost predict the future in a variety of circumstances comes from prudencia. Now, Aquinas is careful to, to make the point that we can never be certain of what's going to happen in the future, but we can have some important and general wisdom about what's likely to happen in the future because of our knowledge of reality, our knowledge of human nature that comes from the study of the world as it comes to us, the contemplation of what is real. However, there are some barriers or hindrances to this good prudencia. There, is a, there are some f- imitators, some imposters. There is a kind of false prudence that can seep into our lives as human beings. First of all, Pieper and Aquinas note that we can falsify our memory of what is real. Have you ever done this? (laughs) Have you ever um, told yourself a story about something that's happened in the past? And maybe as a child you retold a story and you embellish that story and, and you... You made it something that actually is not true to to your memory, but you've did it enough that after a while you can't remember what really happened and what you actually now think has happened. Uh, there are some who think that, you know, habitual liars begin to believe their own lies. That's an interesting fact in and of itself. One novelist, I think it was William Trevor, has said that when we when we recall history, we lie. With every breath we take. In other words, sometimes our ego steps in and wants us to see even what's happened in our own life from a jaundiced perspective. Sometimes we see what we want to see and we remember what we want to remember. And this kind of falsifying memory is not the true memory that Aquinas says we need to have if we're going to know the world as it really is, and therefore know what to do. Christ says in Matthew 6.22 that if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. So to avoid a false prudence, we need to have that single eye that sees purely what is real, without distraction, and without a kind of creeping blindness. So there's a falsification of memory, but then there's also a kind of uh, misprudence or imprudence that is uh, a kind of sin of omission. It's a defect. It's when we are distracted by our own love of the sensual world and the goods of the body, a kind of egocentric concern with the reality that is my appetite. And of course, we all have to battle our appetites, but when our appetites uh, get the best of us, we become unchaste, and we chase the sensory world, and it leads to a kind of blindness that impedes or prevents our ability to see what is real. And you've experienced this. When you are... Uh, you know, overcome by your appetites and desires, you, your vision becomes cloudy and you'll lose that single eye. So Aquinas says that it is unchastity that is that which hinders and it becomes a negation of true prudence. It's a kind of covetousness. When we want money, we want things, we want pleasures, this leads us to be blind to the reality of the world, at least it impedes our sight, and it can lead to a kind of, well, thoughtlessness. It can lead, therefore, to indecisiveness. I am experiencing the world, I'm not seeing it clearly, and then I hedge my bets and I delay my decisions and I wait, I become ambivalent, I'm blind, I'm neglectful, I'm unchaste. So this is, a, this is one way that prudence becomes impeded. And there's another way it can be ac- actually become kind of, well, an imitation counterfeit or false prudence. And this involves something like a sin of commission, according to Aquinas. This is when we make a dishonest affirmation about what is real. In other words, we make an affirmation about what is real that is not true to reality. Uh, This is our attempts to, you know, paint the world with our own colors, and maybe to uh, try, even though it will fail, to make the world conform to our wishes and image when it has sharp edges and is hard, and it comes with its own form, and so it can't be reformed by us. It's always best, and it's only possible for us to conform to the forms it brings us, pre-existing forms. He calls this kind of, Thomas does, dishonest affirmation a a cunning. It's the the Latin word astutia, to be cunning and full of intrigue. And so uh, Pieper, uh, following Aquinas, says the intriguer is that person who has regard only for tactics. And this is the person who will not, face reality squarely. He's not seeing things as they really are, but he's going to attempt to create a narrative or a reality that he finds attractive. This is the tactician, the peeper says. Now, there's another book that comes to mind that I read years ago, which is quite famous in business circles. It's called Good to Great by Jim Collins and jim collins studied a lot of country a lot of companies that, that 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 emerged and grew like 10 times beyond their competition and then he went to study those particular companies that did so extraordinarily well and he and a team of graduate students tried to discern what characterized these companies and what did they have in common and he discerned five or six different principles one of them is Uh, Who first, then what? In other words, it's great to hire really great people. Get them on your team. Get them on your bus. Even if you don't know what you want them to do. Get a great person on your team. And this would mean morally great, professionally great, great skills. Get somebody who is great. Get them on your bus. And later you'll find out what seat they should go on. This is what great companies do. This is what Collins and his team discovered. But there was another principle relating to this. That he discovered, and it's, it's called Facing the Brutal Reality, that these great companies and their leaders would seek to deeply understand the realities that they were facing. They would not flinch in the face of bad news and difficulty and challenge. They wanted to know what is really before them. It's kind of a maybe know-your-enemy approach in battle tactics. You, you really do want to study your enemy, and know your enemy's capabilities, equipment, etc. The tactician who is cunning as he faces the world is not willing to face the reality that is actually before him, but will modify it according to his desires. This is a kind of egocentric approach, and this egocentrism also becomes a kind of blindness And it's the opposite of being silence, silent before the world. In fact, Pieper says this, but the egocentric interest of man must be silenced in order that he perceive the truth of real things. And parenthetically, he he adds, only he who is silent can hear. So this dishonest affirmation of reality, which is imprudence, is the opposite of that silent contemplation of reality that we discussed in the previous episode. It's not docile. It's not taking counsel from others. It's not unbiased and open to counsel and advice. And it's not humble the way we should be before the cosmos. And it's not being honest with its own memories. Pieper writes, how Utterly, therefore, the virtue of prudence is dependent upon the readiness to ignore the self, the limberness of real humility and objectivity. And he writes, Whoever looks only at himself and therefore does not permit the truth of real things to have its way can be neither just nor brave nor temperate. And so this, of course, is true of our students, for those of us who are educators. It's true of us as teachers. It's true of our entire community. If we make dishonest affirmations about the real and engage in a kind of astutia or cunning, becoming tacticians seeking to serve our own egocentric interests, we will not know what is real and we will not act justly, temperately, and bravely in the world. I'll leave it there for now. I hope this has been of interest to you and encourage you to consider an ongoing study of the cardinal virtues. I certainly do recommend this book by Joseph Pieper. Those of you who are viewing can see it. It's the four cardinal virtues. And I also recommend a follow-up book he wrote called Faith, Hope, and Love that involved the three theological virtues. In the Christian tradition, the four cardinal virtues only come into their own when they are conjoined with faith, hope, and love. In fact, it was Augustine who said that, really, all four of the cardinal virtues don't come into their own until they are qualified by love. And Pieper says much of the same thing. What is motivating us to know the world? Our love of it. We've been placed in a cosmos, ordered beauty, a beautiful world. We didn't ask for it, but here it is. Yes, it's fallen. Yes, there are things that are broken. Yes, there are things that need to be repaired. Yes, we need to preserve this beautiful planet in many ways. We need to be stewards of it. But we should love it and conform ourselves to it. This is Christopher Perrin with The Christopher Perrin Show. Thanks once again for either listening or watching. You can find these uh, video episodes on truenorth.fm. I'd like to thank you for watching or listening to The Christopher Perrin Show. And to do that, I can give you a coupon code that will give you 10% off on anything that you might care to order at classicalacademicpress.com. And the coupon code is simply CPSHOW. Thanks again for listening or watching.